This is the Prestigious Initiative. Welcome. I'm Chris Bean, and here with me is Chris Kent. Hello, Mr. Kent. Hello, sir. Joining us today is our distinguished guest, Daniel Deleuze-Nesky, uh, with over two decades in the U.S. Secret Service and extensive uh, experience in school safety. Daniel has a wealth of knowledge to share with us on this crucial topic. Welcome, Daniel. How are you today? Thank you. Thank you for having me on, gentlemen. Uh, can you can, let's start with uh, you know a background? You know, tell us a little bit about yourself, just so we have a, a, an understanding of where we're starting from. Sure. Yeah, I joined the Secret Service long time ago, back in 1988, right at the end of President uh, President Reagan's term, and was there for 24 years. Fortunately, I was able to stay in Washington D.C. the entire time. Uh, finished up with uh, President Obama, went through the ranks, and finished with the rank of lieutenant. The nice thing was about my job is that it was the uniform division of the Secret Service. I was not one of the guys in the suits that talked to their sleeves. I was in a specialized unit, and that's what I wanted to focus on because the specialized unit had canine. It had the counter snipers, the guys from the rooftops. It had an ERT or SWAT team on the ground. It had the motorcade support, the motorcycles. Um, it had a crime scene search division. So that's what I wanted to focus on. And that's what, even though I had my degree and I could have gone over to Asian and took uh, whatever the TEA exam was, I didn't want to do that. I, I was happy to stay in Washington, D.C. And uh, fortunately, because I got on a little older than the rest of my uh, peers, um, it worked out for me. So uh, I was able to work, again, through the ranks and have these specialized positions and enjoyed my time there and was able to stay in D.C. without having to move around. So it worked out. And uh, after I retired, you're going to move down to Florida and just retire, retire. Well, you know, as you know, as an alpha personality, that lasted about three months. <laughs> and my well, ex-wife now, but at the time said, look, you got you to get out. You got to do something. So um, Pinellas County, where I moved down here in Florida, had an opportunity and uh, it fit my resume uh, to work with emergency management in their school system. Not realizing even, you know, when I was in Washington, D.C., everybody, you know, retires and moves to Florida and that's it. There's, you know, there's all retired people down there. Uh-uh. There are a lot of school kids down here. And then when I got in this county, it's a very dense county. And when I joined up with the county system, I had over 100,000 students uh, I was dealing with, 140 schools. And the county was really diverse, upper county, very white, elite, liberal. Uh, lower county, lower income, uh, blacks, Hispanics, and diff different schools. So it actually was a perfect environment for what I got into. And again, this is what we're talking now. When I got on, it was like 2013, just starting to realize that, hey, we need to have better fencing. We need to have better, harden up our schools. Uh, this is obviously before Sandy Hook and before Parkland. So I got into it when, you know, before even I say the bad stuff, you know, this is after Columbine, obviously, but before the media became very, very focused on what was happening with these schools. So it, it worked out and I was able to, I didn't have autonomy, which in a school system, just like any other bureaucracy, I had to deal with a, a boss who was an assistant superintendent who dealt with a superintendent who dealt with the school board. So there was different layers. And obviously with law enforcement dealing with education, it was like oil and water. It just it did not get along. So uh, there was yeah, a lot of uh, customer service, a lot of back and forth, and you just kind of, you dealt with it. And we did, and when I ended up, I came out in, uh, excuse me, 2018, four years I spent there, and got a lot accomplished, I thought. I, I, I thought. So yeah, it, it worked out for me. So after that, I just wanted get, went into consulting and Wrote a book after Uvalde, and we can get into that because I, I was very angry about what happened there. But, um, yeah, it's just an issue that it's uncomfortable to talk about. It's a very niche in industry, a very niche uh, subject. And the media will only focus on it, obviously, when there's some huge numbers. One or two here, one or three there. Okay, now we'll have an hour on it. But if you have huge numbers, I mean, we're going to talk about the guy in Maine. It wasn't a school shooting incident. Um, it just they focus more on it, like Sandy Hook, like Parkland, uh, like Uvalde. Um, but it's just something that, look, I know you've got questions, but we one thing I want to mention is we can't make schools prisons. It's, we're, we're, we're ending, we're coming up to that, where we're hardening up schools so much they seem like prison type. Look, I'm old school. When I went to school, 
everything was open. You could walk into a school anytime. You had a janitor and they say, what the hell are you doing here? I'm a student here. Okay, well, do whatever you got to do. <laughs> um, you know, now it's uh, completely uh, locked, completely different, completely locked up, and, and which is a good thing in one respect. However, from a parent, parental respect perspective, excuse me, now when you walk in the schools, if you haven't been there for a while, it's like a bank. And you're kind of taken aback. It's very claustrophobic because we want the lobby areas hardened up with tempered glass coming all the way down, the little slot at the bottom, the big countertop. And the reason for that was, was you had people jumping over the counter trying to get into the school. So that's what usually happened. The same thing happened as the Secret Service. If something happened, okay, yeah, the blame game's going to start. Why this? Why that? What? No, you fix it. That's why... I like to drill as much as possible with these schools. You drill and you drill and you drill because you fix problems. You, you, you fix things. That's, that's what you do. So anyways, my philosophy is a little different than a lot of other uh, school safety supposed experts philosophy. Um, and we can get into that, too. But I, I'll, uh, I'll stop talking here so you guys can get a word in because watch out. I, once I start, I, 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 it's hard for me to stop. Uh, no, no, no. Those those are all great points. So it, it seems like after your Secret Service, you moved into the school safety, and and that seemed to be a, a a good fit for you, right? And with your knowledge and background that you had, you could bring those safety aspects that were hurting the schools were hurting for. They needed those things, and you know. So with with that in mind, what are some what are some challenges that schools face? Uh, you know, as far as progress that has been made, you know, in the recent years and, and moving forward, even into this new age that we're in now. Well, a lot of as as you guys have probably run into it when you went to school, um, it, it was is lockdowns. It's been lockdowns since Columbine, which still work. Yes, it's old school. Yes. Um, you, you feel that you're in a classroom. It's locked that you are trapped and the, the play the devil's advocate. Uh, a lot of people say you're sitting ducks. So they thought, well, let's have this new thing. The, the knee jerk reaction was, well, what about this run, hide fight? Uh, it was created for the corporate atmosphere. Was, there was a video out there like 20 years ago, the Houston police did it along with Homeland security where you have a guy dressed all in black and he comes in with a shotgun and the narrator, you know, he's got the movie trailer voice saying, you know, when the shooter comes in, you've got three things to do. You can either run or you can hide or you can fight. And he runs through these three things. And they, for whatever reason, they thought it was a good idea to transfer it over to schools. And I thought, what? Okay. So when, when, this, all, when this all started happening, I had high school, you know, individuals and administrators. Say, yeah, high schoolers are adults now. Uh, you know, they've matured more than, than when I was in school back in the 60s. Um, let's give them the option of doing that. And we did. We ran it at one of these high schools. And I thought, OK, that creates chaos. You know, it's good. They're not they're not sitting there. They're running to a certain point. But and I thought you get to the fight part. What What is that? I said, it, it's OK. You know, even if you're trained for months or years, like a police officer, a fireman and some in the military, I'm going to have you fight some shooter. That's ridiculous. I mean, why would I put these kids at that kind of risk? So the other thing they came up with, and this was a former law enforcement person also, came up with something called ALICE training. And ALICE training, watch out for the acronyms because there's a whole bunch of acronyms out there when you come to this kind of stuff. ALICE, ALERT, ALIVE, well, they'll come up all these acronyms, you know, which supposedly make it more important. Well, ALICE stands for ALERT, uh, LOCKDOWN, INFORM, um, and those are say COUNTER, and EVACUATE. Okay, so they thought that was also a good idea for schools. Well, alert and lockdown, I get, okay, you're going to make an announcement, all right, that there's a shooter on campus, excuse me, gunman on campus, because um, he could have something else besides a, a, a weapon, uh, a gun. Um, and then lockdown. Okay, I agree with those two. The I was informed, and in their training, because I've had teachers go through this training, you're supposed to have a person designated to watch the cameras and inform individuals over the loudspeaker the location of the, the gunman or the, the bad guy and where he's going to next, where he or she is going to next. Well, there's no school system in the country that has that. We don't have cameras that can follow someone around. You've got dedicated cameras in certain areas, but that you can't pinpoint from one area to another. It's impossible. Now, why would I designate somebody to do that anyway? So I thought that was crazy. Then you get to the C, which is counter. 
Now, they argue counter doesn't mean particularly fight. Doesn't mean, you know, really get in there and fight. Counter means you're going to go and you're going to distract this shooter. So what they train, not only teachers, but they're supposed to train students that if a gunman somehow breaches into a classroom, they want the students and the teacher to throw things at them. Pencils, books, iPads, whatever the hell to throw at them. And I'm thinking... Okay, here we are back to this almost like this fight thing. Okay, they're not physically putting hands on, but they're throwing stuff at them. So, I, you know, and I thought it was just me. Then I found out a bunch of my mentors out there who have got a much more experience than I do came back and wrote, I mean, pages of dissertation going, this is absolutely nuts. I said, well, you're going to what? Go in and, and train students. I don't care what age they are. You can be from, you know, fifth grade up to high school for an hour and a half to you know, during an emergency, during this emotional, chaotic experience, to precisely throw something at a shooter and hit them all at once, all at once you're going to throw something at them to distract them to what? Drop the weapon? But I, it's like, what? No, no child psychologist, mental health professional has backed this kind of training. It's, it's ludicrous because not only during the drilling, they found out it's it's legally it's li liability because, you know, during the drilling, you've had people got up injured during this thing because they're running and, and tripping and any all kinds of stuff. But when you think about it, myself in the Secret Service, I had to qualify with my weapon once a month, every month. As far as I know, the only agency in the United States that has to, that has to qualify with their weapon once a month. Most police agencies, once every six months, once a quarter, sometimes only once a year. So in order to get that training, that implicit memory, that memory control, I mean, it just takes over and over and over to, to, to do that. I have in my book about implicit memory. And, you know, guys, you know what that is. I mean, you go into your car, put on a seatbelt, you button a shirt, you, button, you, you put a button. You do it without thinking because you've done it so often. Now you're going to have students with an hour and a half of training going to throw things at, at, a, at a guy, at a shooter in that kind of incident. It's like, it's ludicrous. And, you know, I thought, okay, again, is it just me? So I have, I'm going through physical therapy. And one of the women there has a, a, two children, one in high school and one in middle school. And that her son's in middle school. And I said, what kind of training they go through? What kind of safety drills they go through? And she says, well, they have now an automated, they push a button and it automates, uh, comes across saying, you know, there's a, we're in a lockdown or we're in a lockout, whatever it is. I said, okay, that, that's fine. And so what do they do? Do they go into a lockdown in the classroom? I says, yeah, you know, most of the time they go into a lockdown in the classroom. I said, well, ask your son who's in middle school, ask him if he feels better being locked in a classroom or whether he rather run out into the hallway and run outside. And she asked him that. And yeah, I know this kid's like on 12 or 13 years old. He goes, Bob, is why would I go out into the hallway with a gunman out there? He says, I'll get shot. He says, I'm going to stay in the classroom. I said, my God, this kid's got common sense. <laughs> so it's just, it's just, it's just ludicrous. Yet there are a lot of schools, a lot of school administrators who love this kind of training because this Alice training gives them empowerment. Because educators feel when you're in a classroom, when you're locked classroom, you're very passive. You're, you're just sitting there. You're, you're, you're just waiting for it to end. You're hearing all this noise and screaming and gunshots. You're just waiting for it to end. On this other side with Alice training, you're reactive. You're, you're doing something. So they thought, okay, this gives me empowerment. I'm gonna, well, no, you're, you're absolutely, you're wrong. What are you carrying? If I was teaching nowadays, even as a former law enforcement person, even if I didn't have a weapon, I'm sure as hell not going out in that hallway. Are you kidding me? I don't care if somebody says a gunman's right down the hallway. I don't know if there's another gunman out there. I don't know. Look, let's go back to Parkland. When Parkland happened, there were a lot of articles that came out and said, oh, this, they never had training before. They never drilled before. Well, that was wrong. They talked to two teachers after that incident. They had trained in a drill for an active shooter lockdown a month before Parkland happened. When it did happen, the majority of people there thought it was another drill because a lot of drills happen with loud, you know, blanks and stuff like that. They thought oh, it was another drill. Then what happened is the fire alarm went off. Now, whether it was on purpose or whether a bullet struck uh, uh, the fire alarm or whatever, the fire alarm, now, they had not trained for when the fire alarm went off during the lockdown drill. They just had not trained for that. There was, there was you know, it was impossible. So now they're like, what the hell do we do? They're told when the fire alarm go, you got to go. 
So now there's confusion of go, stay, go, stay. So you go out their hallways, all this chaos going on. They're hearing this gunfire. They're like, well, what the hell? Should we leave or should we stay in the classroom? Some teachers, not a lot, I don't have a number, came out and thought they heard gunfire. They said, I hear gunfire over here. Let's go in the opposite direction. Come on, kids, let's go. They were hearing echoes between the buildings. So they were going towards the shooter. So this idea of, look, there has been nothing documented. I think there's one incident. And there's a gentleman named Michael Dorn. He runs Safe Havens International, a great research facility. He's been doing this for like 40 years. They've done the research. And they found there was one documented case on a Native American reservation where a shooter targeted a locked door to get into that locked door. Otherwise, it has not happened. A shooter will not lock, you know, bust through a locked door. It takes too much time. Their, their clock's running in their head. That's why my book's called Five Minutes. Average, this is average, this is from FBI statistics. Average time of a school shooter is three to five minutes. It doesn't seem like a long time. And when you're involved in it, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's a long time. So they got a clock in their head also. So they're going to avoid these locked doors. If you've seen the video of the Nashville shooter after they shot out the, the glass doors, they came in and just walking down the hallway trying the doors. Locked, move on. Locked, move on. Open them going in. They're looking for easy victims. They're not going to deal with a locked door unless it's targeted. You know, that happens a lot in hospitals and stuff because a shooter will come in. They're targeting the doctor. They're targeting the nurses. The shooters just come in because they're looking for numbers. I mean, you saw the guy up in Maine. They're just looking for numbers. So a locked door, you close the blinds, you shut the lights off, you sit quietly on the floor away from the, the doorway and away from the windows. You silence your phone. You do not listen to any announcements. I don't care if it's fire alarm, if it's an announcement over the loudspeaker, nothing. You wait until someone comes with a key to unlock your door. Someone's knocking on your door, you don't let them in. I'm sorry. It's, it's cruel. You don't let them in. If some kid's stuck out in the hallway, we always tell them, head to the bathroom, get yourself up in the stall, close the door, be quiet. You're going to be okay. So this idea that lockdowns now are they're sitting ducks, they're not. They're not, they're not sitting ducks. They are, they are safe. They are okay. And a lot of times, because I, had, I dealt with more elementary schools, just more elementary schools in a school system, they'll have double doors. They'll go through, and I've had it where you go into an elementary school, and we'll run the lockdown drill, and then I'll go with the administrators, and we'll unlock the doors. Where is everybody? They will take 25 to 30 kids into, because most elementary schools have a bathroom for these kids. The bathroom maybe fit five kids. They've got them stuffed in there. I mean, they got them jammed in there. And they'll open the door to the bathroom. These kids, you're all jammed up in there. But they're happy. They come out with smiles on their face because they accomplished this great thing. And I tell them, you guys all get a gold star because you did this great thing. You hid from the bad guy. And they will come out with smiles on their faces. And it's great. I told these teachers, you're thinking, if one door is good enough, why not another one? Great. Because you're going to be in there anyways. Because you're going to have to go to the bathroom. Most of these things take two or three hours or longer. Well, you got there's the bathroom right there. Don't have to worry about that. So it's just trust your teachers. And I had a whole bunch of principals, I say that don't, only because elementary school is tough. It's tough because these principals, I'm sure the teachers feel that's their family. All schools, I'm sure, are like that. But of course, elementary schools, you know, little kids, you know, just they're innocent and, and naive. And these principals will get emotional with me because I've had, we'll go do a drill. Okay, we're going to do a lockdown drill. And usually it's announced. So the parents know, the teachers know it's coming. And we'll run the drill. And I'll say to the principals, okay, what do you guys do when, when you have a drill? Oh, we go around the campus to make sure that our teachers have the doors locked. Okay. Well, what are you going to do during a real incident when there's a real gunman on campus? Well, we're going to go around and check the doors. The doors are locked. Like, <laughs> no, then you're not coming home alive. And they will get emotional. No, these are my kids. I have to go check on them. Look, trust your teachers. That's why we drill. If there's an incident, we'll fix it. But you, as a principal, you have to go in your room, shut the door, lock it, pull the blinds. And I tell you, for principals, like every other alpha personality, you feel helpless. You feel so guilty because you want to do something. You want to save these kids. They're your kids. You've got a school of, like, you know, three, four hundred kids. It's like, oh, my God. And I tell you, it's tough and it's it's emotional and it's very uh, trying on a lot of these principles. 
And I have to say for the fact that it's the teachers too, because I've gone to many, many SAC meetings where you'll have teachers come in early and the hands go up, usually after shooting. I was afraid to come here. My husband did not did want, me, wants me to quit. I didn't sign up for this. They didn't. They're supposed to be there teaching. Look, we all know what happened during a pandemic. We lost all this teaching, at least two years. And the schools, the whole country, and especially uh, you know down here in Florida, you, it's just they're under pressure. Our schools are graded, just like the kids are graded. So if you've got a D or F school, I mean, you're already under pressure to bring that grade up. Otherwise, they'll shut the school down. You're out of a job. So these teachers, the pressure is immense. Not only the stress of getting the grades up for the kids, but having the school uh, itself grade go up. So you're under pressure from the superintendent on down to the principal. Hey, we got to get these kids up. So now you're going to tell me I got to train for some shooter that may come into the school. And not only that, you're going to give me options. So instead of saying like what's happening a lot in the country, instead of saying to teachers, look, got one option. We're going to lock down. We're good. You already, you already got the classroom door locked. And I emphasize that. Th thankfully, by the time I left Pinellas County, I said, lock your classroom doors during classroom time, during school time. Lock the door. You're already one step ahead. Oh, no, the kids, they go out and they want to pass and they come back and forth and I got to open the door. Tough. Keep the door locked. You got less, less than one step that, that you got to take. And that's it. You lock down. Well, now they want to give the teachers an option of, okay, you can lock down or you can do the Alice or run, hide, fight thing and take your children out and run out of the school. Why the hell would you give a teacher an option like that? Why would you put even more? Why You talk about liability. Can you imagine the teacher going, hey, uh, you know, kids, well, I'm going to take all 25 of you kids and we're going to go out in this hallway. and You're going to hear all kinds of weird noise. You are going to hear these loud, but you may see blood. You may see people killed, but step over them. We're going to head to that exit and we're going to be safe. And you know, that's not the only classroom. You got more than one classroom is going to do this. So what's going to happen? They're going to all funnel down at that exit and pile up there. And, and God knows what's going to happen. It's like the most ludicrous thing to come out of a perfectly safe classroom. And now you're going to run down this hallway, you hope, and get out without getting shot and seeing all these horrible things. So it's just... Why? Why are you giving teachers this option? Why would you do that? Let them stay in the lockdown. You're, you're good. You're okay. Everybody's going to be safe. Yeah, you're going to have to wait a long time, but the good guys are coming. I tell you, Nashville was, was perfect. I've seen the video, not only of the shooter, but uh, the video of the um, camera on the officer that was there. They did it perfect. They were there on time. They were right there. Came in, searched the rooms. I mean, boom, I mean, they just pinpointed down. They went. And that's the training. I know Evaldi was, that's an anomaly. That was an absolute anomaly for the police action there. But there were other things, problems that happened at that school with doors open and stuff like that. And the security guard wasn't there. But the way they ran in Nashville was perfect. That's the way it should be run. You go. I was trained for that. I don't care if it's one officer, two, whatever. You go. And you stop that from happening. So that's that's the way it should be. And that's the way it, it always should be. You know, 99.9% of the time, that's what's going to happen. Now, two things I suggest and I emphasize. Number one, you keep yourself safe. And I don't care whatever situation you're in. You as a parent, you as, as a person, you with your family, you keep yourself safe first. I like to give the example when you're in an airplane and an oxygen mask comes out. What do they tell you? You put the oxygen mask on first, then you can help a child or an elderly individual next to you. You keep yourself safe first, then you can help other people. Same thing with the school system. Secondly, emphasize you want school resource officers, armed school resource officers in your school system. They're an advocate. Because of this BLM and defund the police movement, now students are like, oh, no, I feel oppressed. I feel uncomfortable with that guy over there in the uniform with the gun on. No, no, I don't want him in my school. I feel anxious. Blah, blah. Bullshit. The parents are the ones that are pushing this, saying, no, we want those officers in the school. And they're not there to arrest you. They don't have arrest powers. They have weapons to stop a shooter that comes in that school to protect you. They are an advocate for the students, the administrators, and the parents. Those two things I always try to push on any podcast I give that you keep yourself safe and SROs in your schools. Now, you're going to say, OK, I don't have the budget for it. Well, 
find it. Find a grant. There's way to, ways to find grants. I'm fortunate here in Florida, the legislature did give enough money, and it's not 100%, but they now have put in uh, school resource officers in every school, even elementary schools, all the way you know, from high schools on down, and it goes by the number of students. So those two things definitely uh, emphasize. I'm sorry. I keep going on and on, and so I'm sure you guys have plenty of questions. No, no, no. You're you're doing good. You're doing good. And and so active shooters. That that seems you know right now that's a that's a significant concern. I'm sure, I'm sure there's other concerns that, that schools uh, need to be aware of and and worried about. But active shooter right now seems to be the the thing that we need to maybe conquer first. And you've already went over a couple things, but if you had to to boil it down to like the top. Five, we'll say five because your book is the, the first five minutes. What are the mm-hmm. first five things that the school should implement as, for, as sort of new protocol to, to help keep their, their students and their faculty safe in those type of situations? Okay, there's five things you should do, and I probably can give you five things you're not supposed to do. Five things you should do is, is number one is train your people. It's a human factor. It's absolutely the human factor. Um, I know we can talk about technology, which to me is the five things you shouldn't do. But, um, yeah, it's the human factor. And I know we get into drilling. And I tell you, yes, is there a chance of overdrilling, mean drilling too much? Because after a while, people are like, oh, Christ, we've got to go through this again. And it's just, you know, you're just bored. And I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to deal with this again. But I'm sorry. You should at least drill. You know, I push for once a month. Okay, maybe that's too much, even though once a month you do a fire drill. The problem with lockdown drills is they take longer. I mean, minimum for uh, high schools, 45 minutes. It's the best I've ever done is 45 minutes. You're talking over an hour, you know, for a, a lockdown drill. So, um, yeah, drilling and the people. That's, that's, that's the number one thing. The second thing would definitely be, you know, I, I call it hardening up the schools because what a lot of school safety experts now say, it's a holistic approach. The holistic approach, meaning – you know, the people, the hardening up, the uh, technology, the cameras, blah, 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 all, all this other stuff. Um, yeah, drilling is, is to me, and the human factor is, is number one. Number two would be, yeah, okay, you're going to have to harden up your school. Make sure all your doors are closed during school time. All, and the entire time you have one entrance, one entrance only. And that one entrance is going to force them into a lobby area, just like we have a hotel. You got to go through the lobby to get in. In order to get in, you have to have access to get in, and they're going to buzz you in or escort you in. If not, you're, you're back out. And I know I emphasize this, and people just kind of shrug their shoulders. Yeah, yeah, we got our doors closed. No. I tell you right now, I can go to any high school right now in my area. I'm going to find a door open. I'm going to find it. It'll only take me five minutes. Doors are propped open all the time, and the reason is, number one, students late. Number two, teachers are late. Number three, somebody's sitting out for a smoke. Number four, somebody order a pizza. Number five, somebody, I mean, I could go through the whole list of these doors propped open. And don't you think shooters are watching this? Majority of shooters are either former students or current students. And it's not something they woke up one morning and said, hey, I'm going to go shoot up a school. This stuff is planned months in advance, months in advance with social media, with writings, with stuff, manifestos, whatever the hell is out there. They're watching your school. And they're looking for those opportunities. Cruz knew exactly what what doors, what gates were open at Parkland. He knew exactly which ones were. So that's the other thing. Drilling, the human factor, the doors, make sure they are closed during school time. Just walk around. The third thing that very few people mention. Back when I was in school, you, you had student committees. you know, And usually people that wanted to get into law enforcement or military but back then, you know, it wasn't about doors being open. It was usually people smoking. They're all upset about kids smoking. Oh, my God, the kids, the kids are smoking. Nowadays, come on, these kids have ownership of the school. And I'm talking middle and high school. You've got ownership. You go to the sporting events. You go, you know, to the whatever events are happening there. Take ownership of your school. You know what? Walk around the building every once in a while. Get off the damn phone at your study period and just walk around. Yeah, there may be SROs there. They can't be everywhere. Walk around the school. You're not snitching on anybody because you're looking for those damn doors or windows to be open. Somebody can crawl through or place a weapon inside. That's it. That's all you're doing. You can't walk around the school. I mean, come on. It's your school. Why would you want some? Look what happened in Washington. What was it like five kids or something when Mascon came in and decided they're going to whatever they were doing in the school. They came through an open door or they were let in 
by a student who, who didn't realize who they were. And here they come running through, you know, obviously didn't have weapons or anything, luckily. But it, it's just that that's that is a real pet peeve of mine, because I found that all the time. Those stinking wedges propping those doors open is just it's ridiculous. I'm sorry. We wanted five. The other thing is, OK, cameras are good. You, you don't there's, there's there's technology out there it just costs way too much to have cameras that zoom in and move to have stationary cameras but i tell you what yes cameras are okay but kids are kids they know where the cameras don't under whatever stairs they know i mean come on they're te- these kids are, are, are tech wizards nowadays they're gonna know which where the cameras are not so they're gonna do whatever they're, they're, they're gonna do so yeah have cameras but i, I tell you what if, if you're have issues with your budget. I still, I still like the, the the people aspect of it. And the other thing is, you know, again, because of, of Parkland, make sure you know what the difference is between different aspects of it. So fire alarm goes off during, let's say, you know, uh, an active shooter situation. What we were telling people is, look, just stick your head out in the hallway. You smell smoke. Okay. Yeah. Fire. You better get out. But if you're hearing gunfire, like, oh, get your ass back in the classroom and, and lock the door they, they they threw the fire alarm off just to throw you off to try to get easy victims you know so with with that aspect just have that kind of issue where they know what's what the other thing that comes up is a lot of people get very confused with you'll have police activity in the area so they go into a lockdown no one's on school grounds but they go into a lockdown i've had this happen multiple times where they're in a lockdown for like three or four hours and they're calling me going Hey, what happened? We heard a helicopter and the police are around. Now they're not here anymore. Nobody's called us and tell us to get out of the lockdown. Look, the police are out chasing somebody. You think their priority is to call the school? They want to get the bad guy. They want, you know, whatever they're doing. So I'm not going to blame the police for something like that. Yes. Should there be a liaison talking with the school? Yeah. Doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. But something like that is, it, it, it is discretion because, you know, if, if there is police activity in the area, what we call it's called a lockout. And basically what that means, if you've got police activity in the area around your school, just shut everything down. Stay in the classrooms. Now, if it's an interior, I mean, if it's outer, if you have to go out into an um, open area, yeah, avoid that. But if it's an inner area, you can transfer between classes in, in a lockout. Just don't go outside, don't, you know, outside of the building or anything because there's, they're not on the campus a lockout is there. there's activity in the area where there's a possibility that someone may come onto your campus. Once they're on campus, then you, go in, then you can go into a lockdown. But don't do it ahead of time because it, it's, it's kind of a waste, you know? The other thing you mentioned about active shooter being on everyone's mind, yeah, it's on, it's on people's minds. But again, it's like being struck by lightning and winning the lottery. You know, more than likely, it's not going to happen to your school. I mean, sure. I'm sure Sandy Hook and Parkland said the same thing. Never happened here. Never, never happened here. I just prepare people that for the possibility. Look, you just I'm just preparing you for what might happen. That's all. Just keep it in the back of your mind. That, you know, have the confidence. You know what to do. But with with something like that, what's happening more nowadays is just weapons being introduced into the classroom. Yeah, that six-year-old up in Virginia brings a gun in. I mean, come on, are you kidding me? So that's what's happening more often is weapons being introduced in the classroom, being brought in and backpacks, knives, weapons, uh, guns, whatever. And it's usually either gang related or the kid's being bullied or he's afraid or he's curious because it's happening in elementary schools. So They're curious. Kids are kids, especially boys. I mean, come on. We all know we tell somebody not to do something and you keep them from doing it. They're going to want to do it. Just like you tell a kid, don't take a drink. Don't smoke that joint. Don't do it. They're going to do it. So they're curious about all this kind of stuff. So let's get to the bad stuff, the stuff that is negative, that you should never do. Metal detectors. Now, yes, I know the technology is out there. And it's gotten better and better every year. It has. It's gotten better. I have a gentleman that used to work with the Secret Service. He's with a company called um, Open, Open Gate. Um, oh, I can't remember what. It starts with a C, whatever his company is. Anyway, um, he told me, he told me, look, I, I, I talked to him. I said, look, you know, nothing's 100%. And he goes, no, Dan, you're right. It's not 100%. If they go through with a laptop, Chromebook, something like that, it's going to set it off. It just doesn't have the technology yet to, not, to notice that it's just a laptop. It thinks it's a weapon. So that's one thing uh, that, that doesn't work. 
the other thing is the cost. Okay, you maybe you'll get a grant to put in, you know, metal detectors, and it doesn't really cost you anything. So you have these kids go through, and they don't have to take their backpacks off. They can walk through and will detect whether there's a weapon there or not. Again, not 100%. Weapons have gotten through. Knives and some, you know, glocks, plastic guns can get through. But when you think about it, if I'm a bad guy with intentions of going in shooting up a school, do you think a metal detector is going to stop me? No. I'm a crazy ass. I'm going to go in there and shoot the place up. I, what the hell's a metal detector going to do? All it does, it's a knee-jerk, feel-good security theater operation. That's it. Because you'll go in front of the parents' council or whatever and say, hey, we got metal detectors. We're good. Whew, done. I'm back to my office. Everything's good. No. It just it makes you feel good. Oh, we got metal detectors now like everybody else. Like You go to the airport and all this kind of stuff. Okay, it's just one part of it, but it's a costly part of it because the hours spent not only in staffing that and the maintenance on these things, it's just it's just a moneymaker for the companies. And as long as they keep pushing it and it's just not there. Yeah, maybe AI eventually. When I'm dead, maybe when you guys are still alive, maybe 20, 30 years from now, it may come out where. But again, then this can be kind of evasive. You get into civil rights thing. Well, what is this thing? You know, going to you know body image me when I come? I mean, I don't want that. So no, stay away from metal detectors. Again, it's it's just it's just not right because if I want to get the gun in the school, if any kid wants to get a gun in it, you're going to get it in. When are you going to get it in? During an after school event, easy. During a day event, there's a door always propped open. Throw it in there. A buddy of yours, hey, take my backpack. You don't have to tell him what's in it. Can you get my backpack in there? I forgot my lunch is in there. Whatever. You're going to get a weapon in this school if you seriously want to get that weapon in there. So, no, metal detectors, you know, don't work. And again, we will stick with technology. Yeah, this thing about, you know, they'll have systems on an app. Everybody's got an app. Even when I went through, they had apps. Hey, I got this app. Will you push a button on your phone? It'll call the police. It'll shut things down. It'll lock the doors. It'll turn the light. Whatever the heck they're, they're talking about. Do all this, whiz, you know, whiz-bang stuff in this app. Well, then you go to test it. And they'll say, well, okay, yeah, it'll work on Wi-Fi, it'll work on 5G, it'll work on LTE. And then you get there and school systems are, you know, kind of like corporate buildings. There's going to be dead zones. It happens. There's going to be dead zones. And we tested it. Yep, there are dead zones. So, okay, what are you doing? And then the other thing is, so now you're going to tell teachers they have to have this app. Well, are they using their personal phones? Are you going to give them school phones to do this? Maybe they don't want the app on there. Maybe this app's got information that they don't want to put on there. So we've tested this stuff. It's not perfected. It probably it probably never will be because, I'm sorry, crap happens. It, the stuff doesn't work. I had an incident at one of the high schools where we already had this app in place. Everything was in place. And what it was was a kid said he saw an individual in the bathroom with a gun. Okay. Lockdown. We're going to lockdown. Here come the police. Here come the dogs. We're there. We're searching all this stuff. And I'm getting to the subject of phones and social media, but um, it, everything turned out okay. It was a false rumor. The problem was not only this idea of this app, which didn't work, you know, it just completely was, it didn't work. What happened was because kids, our kids, with their phones, they started airdropping to other kids and to teachers that, oh, I saw Johnny with a gun. So that started. In another classroom, I saw Susan with a gun. And this just snowballed because that's what happens when you have kids that are kids, bad, good, whatever. They just start playing games. And it just screws everything up. I'll tell you another incident. Bomb threats. You and I know when we were kids, you either pull a fire alarm, call in a bomb threat, because I don't want to take the test that day. No, I'm not prepared for this test. I don't, I'm gonna, I'll call in a bomb threat. Well, now when you call in a bomb threat, not only is it a felony, thank God, 99% of the time they're going to evacuate. I argued with them for years about this. I said, did you see a device? Well, no. Well, why are you evacuating? Well, because we've got a bomb threat. Well, what? Why? You've got 1,500 kids in this school. You're going to evacuate them for a threat? What, was it specific? No, no. They just called up and said, there's a bomb in your school and hung up. I'm like, wait a minute. They didn't give you a room, a teacher, a floor, a specific item. Nothing. And you're evacuating. Yes. 
because God forbid one student, you know, loses their life and, and that's they're so afraid of the press and the media. Okay. So you get rid of 1,500 kids and you send them, you, they got to be at least, what is it, 1,000, 2,000 feet away from the school. God forbid if there was a bomb that went off. Well, right next to the high school is a middle school of another 800 kids. Well, you got to evacuate them too. So now guess what? The phones. And we'll bring up the phones. And I know I, I still, it is a school security and safety issue with these damn phones. Here come the rumors. And they will start texting their parents, number one. I'm evacuated because there's a bomb in the school. Well, guess what's happening next? Here come the parents. And I mean, you talk about a flood of, here they come. I had to get a ladder truck out in front of the school to stop them from driving into the school. It just was the only thing I could do. So here are these kids, wherever, and now they're on their phone sending stuff, and now the rumors start. Yeah, I saw a backpack on such and such floor with wires sticking out. Yeah, I saw this, and it goes on and on and on. And you're like, are you shitting me? Anyway, again, nothing was found. There was nothing. It was, it was, it was nothing. Just a disruption of the entire day. Because guess what? The parents were already there. Half the day's over. I'm taking them home. They, were, they ruined that freaking day. Phones. I just had a teacher last night came over. He teaches in a school of 500. It's a um, magnet school. Anyway, I said, you know, I said, over in Europe, you got Italy, France, Germany. They don't allow phones in schools. I'm sure the Asian countries, same thing. United Kingdom just came out and said, you know what? Next year, we're going to put out the, we're going to ban uh, children bringing cell phones into schools. They've already got statistics and studies done. It helps with kids' focus. It helps with their depression and anxiety. It definitely helps with their grades to get these damn phones away from them. Guess what? I don't care if you come in and a teacher says, put the phone in the backpack. Because guess what? They turned on the hotspot. And as soon as they're on the Wi-Fi for the school's Wi-Fi, it shows up there. Oh, what? Oh, I have my hotspot. There was absolutely no reason. And I've had arguments with, I have no arguments with anyone that says they need cell phones in schools. Why? Why do they need a cell phone? What reason would they have it in school? You want the cell phone? Yeah, go home and pick it up. Because guess what? Also, nowadays with the social media, it's just, it's absolutely ruining kids. It's ruining them. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all this crap. And all it does now is create cyberbullying. And when we were in school, I don't know if you guys went through it. I was bullied. You went to school, you were bullied. You got through it. You went home, you're done. Nowadays, 24 hours a day. Is, is, is bullying. It's 24 hours a day. No wonder these kids are suicidal and depressed because well, they and, got it. And not only that, but it's so much easier now because everybody has the phone and they can hide behind the phone, pushing the buttons and, and say whoever, whatever they want to whoever they want. Back in the day, you had to actually stand up to somebody or, or you know, stand up to the bully in order to get out of it. It's not like that anymore. No, absolutely. Be anonymous. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree with you 100% because now you know who it was and who did this stuff. Now, anonymously, they can get on there and, and bully you forever. And and I'm sure it's, you know, I'm st to statistics hold it out that girls are worse than boys. Anyway, it's just, it, it just, yeah, that's just a negative. And I hope uh, eventually this country wakes up and, and gets these cell phones away from these kids in schools. But I'm sorry, I went off on a little bit of a tangent. Excuse me. Let's talk about the book. Okay. Um, it's called the first five minutes again because the FBI statistics show that uh, every uh, shooting, school shooting, is about three to five minutes long, and that's why I call it the first five minutes. Um, and I wrote it after Duvaldi because my wife, my current wife, uh, she said, "Look, you gotta, you gotta vent. You gotta, you get stuff out there. You gotta put this stuff down." So I did. It's only seventy-seven pages long. I did not want a two to three hundred page book uh, filled with edge of speak that's put on a shelf and collects dust. Because I tell you what, if, I, if you've ever read any of these stuff, if you've even looked at any of this, it's boring. Oh, my God. You go through this. It's like, what? I mean, it, no. I wanted something short, practical, concise. Somebody could pick it up, turn the page. Okay, that's it. That's, this is what I need to do. It's for teachers, mainly. It's great if administrators looked at it, too. But it's also for parents to take a look at this. I tell parents, look, talk to your kids. I know it's difficult today. I got a 17-year-old. Two years ago, I mean, you know, just the level. Look, I was a teenager. I didn't want to talk to my parents. I didn't even do my parents. I didn't just do my own thing. 
come home. How was school? Great. Boom. Gone. Gone to his room. Locked. You know, got the, the cell phone, got the video games got going on. Okay. Parents, you got to talk to your kids. I don't care what age they are. Just ask them a question. What's happening at your school? Are you guys doing any kind of safety drills? Um, if you are, what, what are they doing? You know, are you locking yourself in a classroom? Are they having you run out? You know, what, what, just ask them. And if there's something, a red flag goes up, if you're talking, there's, oh, yeah, we ran out of the school. To, what? You did what? That's when you go to the school board. Now, I understand it. People are they're not afraid, but they're, they're uncomfortable going in front of the school because you get three minutes. Three minutes is a long time. You can read a full page, maybe a page and a half in three minutes. You can get it in there and just find out, you know, that you disagree with this. Bring up statistics. I tell you, you can easily go to my, I don't have a site, I'm sorry, um, but you can uh, check my book out or you can uh, email me. I'm on LinkedIn. Two sites I suggest. One is Safe Havens International. I think it's safehavensinternational.org. I think it's an ORG. Michael Dorn, that's the one I talked about, uh, he, he, much research. He's got all kinds of stuff in there you can bring up about uh, what works and what doesn't. And the other one is uh, Kenneth Trump, uh, Dr. Trump, uh, no relation to the ex-president. He's got like 30, 40 years of experience, just got his Ph.D. This guy has been all over Congress and stuff. This guy is the expert uh, to go to in any of these issues. And both are mentors of mine. Um, but they both, again, same thing. Parents, you have to talk to your kids. You have to find out what's going on. I know more and more parents groups are getting involved with the teaching and stuff like that. Find out about the safety also because the kids got to be safe in order to learn. I mean, that's, you know, that's the bottom line. You got to be got to feel safe in order to learn. Anyways, back to the book. Um, I wanted it short. I wanted it concise. I wanted to explain about implicit memory, the idea of drilling over and over again until you get it. until you something happens and boom, I know what to do. In the book, I've got a generic safety plan. It's just a blank page that you can download and you know put safety stuff in there. I also did what I did was, and I know it's, it's it, you know we're not videoed, but I, I got these credit card size cards. You can laminate them, and they're in there. You can download those also, and it's just a quick reference card. And the reason I found out that it works is I talked to a doctor friend of mine, and she works in the emergency room, and she says, "Oh yeah, we have those all the time." I said, "We talk about." It. She says. Well, they'll come out with a code purple or a code black. She says, I can't remember all the colors. So you got to look on the card. Oh, yeah, it means this. I said, OK. And the same thing here. I've got, you know, lockout, lockdown, bomb threat, fire emergency. It's just because you're going to forget something. Look, I I've got the training. I went through 9-11 at the White House. But th there's going to be times no one knows exactly how they're going to react in an emergency. You don't. You don't know how you're going to react. So a lot of times you, you just freeze. Hell, you forget what day it is. I mean, it'll, you'll just blank out. So you easily can look at the card and, oh, geez, I forgot to turn the lights off. Or I forgot to pull the blinds down. It happens. It happens during normal stuff, never mind during an emergency. Plenty of stories in there. One story I got, North County of here. It was Pasco County. Small, uh, uh, smaller county. More rural. Anyways, uh, they had middle school. And I had a coworker. His wife was the assistant principal at the school. Well, across the street from them, they had an individual who was mad at his mother's boyfriend. Didn't like him at all. He got himself a rifle, and he was going to do some damage. Well, he started shooting up the outside of the home. Well, as he's spraying, some of the bullets hit the school. They go into a lockdown, which is what they should have done. Everything turned out okay. The police arrived, calmed him down, got a hold of him, arrested him. He's gone. Okay. Well, any anytime you have a lockdown like that, whether it's a drill or whether it's an actual one, you have an after-action event. So the assistant principal gets together with all her people on the committee. She found out. Now, she had trained these people, went through drills. Everything seemed to be fine. One third of her teachers froze. Absolutely froze. Nothing. Didn't know anything. That's going to happen. That's why I, I ask that you drill as, as much as possible to find out. You fix the problem. So it, it's, it's going to happen. And. It's sad to say that it's going to happen again. It is. It's not, we can't prevent this. And again, I don't want schools to be prisons, but be prepared. That's all. Yes, you can talk about mental health. Yes, you can talk about social justice and threat assessment teams. Absolutely. They're a good thing to have that. But it's going to happen again. It's, it's not something we can 100% prevent. I would tell everybody, even when you go to these schools, hey, I went through and did a a safety survey and you guys are good. Well, we 100%. I would never tell anybody that they're 100%. No one's ever going to be 100% safe. You, you, you can't. So 
that was the idea behind the book. It's something, again, that's a short read. You read an hour, an hour and a half easily and get something out of it. Um, because, again, I didn't want it sitting on somebody's desk. It's just something that's easy to read and, and, you, and you do uh, hopefully get something out of it. And, again, I strictly stick with lockdowns. None of this stuff about running or hiding or fighting against a shooter. None of that stuff. Um, just strictly uh, deal with lockdowns. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, and, and you talk a little bit about practical takeaways, and, and I like that side of it. And, you know, I, we are, we're, we're martial arts instructors. That's our, that's our kind of our day job. And we teach a lot of kids. And so I think we have a lot of, you know, the, the kind of the overlap there as far as the, the compassion for the kids. And I have, I have two young, uh, two young daughters that are in school and, and it, it is, it is wild the amount of kind of misinformation that's out there. And, being our background and, and your background, I think is is we have an understanding that practice is so important. Now they say they quote unquote they say practice makes perfect. Well, I don't I don't believe that practice makes perfect. I also don't believe that perfect practice makes perfect. That's not that's not something that can happen. Practice makes right. permanent. The way you practice something is the way you perform it. And in these type of situations, these active shooter type of situations, the practice needs to elevate everybody's level of stress in those situations which is scary for the for the the faculty for schools but also for the students you know that are in the school but that is a necessary factor for them to understand what and how to react and respond in those situations so you know you talked about about drilling what is what would be a you know you don't have to go super in depth but what's a, what's a what's a breakdown of a drill uh, you know, that, that would, that would kind of encompass this type of practice. Excellent. Excellent question, Chris. And we've had that happen across schools across the country where you've had police departments take blanks, act as if they're a shooter, shoot the blanks off. So teachers can hear that what the guns, uh, sounds like that's going way too overboard. You don't, you don't want to do that. I, you don't need to do something like that. If I, I encourage teachers to, to basically go to a gun range. And just listen, hear, hear what it sounds like. You don't need to do it in a, in, a, in a school environment. Look, yes, I understand. I always like realistic and I always like unannounced drills because you're going to see what's going to happen. You have to see what's going to happen. And again, you have to get that kind of adrenaline, that fight or flight response. You want to get that. However, uh, it, it's, it's just nowadays, not only helicopter parents, but the idea that Everything triggers people and especially kids, things that get triggered. So a lot of parents have said, you're going to run a drill. I'm not having my kid there that day. I don't want him to be anxious. I don't want him to go through this. Like, well, then what's going to happen during a real one if they don't have any idea? You've got to, you've got to give them some kind of basis to understand, look, this is what's going to happen. And you're, you're giving us the opportunity to have to teach your child, but also to make them safe if something does happen. Not that it ever will. We want to make sure. Look, they do fire drills. When's the last time a child died in a fire? It's something like 130 years ago or something like that. I mean, I argued with my fire marshal all the time about this. Once a month? Oh, my God, you could do it in your sleep blindfolded. Fire drill goes off. You walk out. Okay, you walk back in. I mean, it's come on. The, the doors and, and walls, the uh, sprinkler systems, I mean – that fire's not going anywhere, even if there is one. So yeah, once a month is probably too much. Drill, the way I ran a drill was I tried again to do unannounced as much as possible. I had principals sometimes that welcome that. I want to see how my teachers react. I want to see how the students react. They were very proactive. And that was even in elementary schools. They wanted to see it. Other schools, not so much. You got to middle or high school, some were like, no, no we got to announce it. I said, all right, let's do this. Let's put out to teachers and parents that during this week, there's going to be a lockdown drill. I'm not going to tell you what day. I'm not going to tell you what time, but just expect it during this week. That way, at least, look, you've advised them. It's out there. It's been announced. OK, then during the week, you run it or whatever time. But of course, you know, the rumors start, you know, teachers. And what? We're human. People are human. What are they going to do, Chris? They're going to pre-plan. They're going to have the blinds closed. They're going to have the lights off because I got to get through this. I got all these papers. I got to grade. I got a test coming up. Let's get this crap over with. Because it's an hour, hour and a half at most for a, for a lockdown drill. Try to avoid that. Look, don't please don't pre-plan because that doesn't 
fix anything if something goes wrong. And you're always going to find something wrong. Always. I've had plenty of schools where they make the announcement, half the school couldn't hear it. We had the old system where you had a panel. Remember, I, I don't know if you guys remember. I remember. Had this panel with all these buttons and red lights on it. And you picked up the microphone and you put over the microphone, hey, you know, announcement, you know, the car lights are on or whatever. They still have that in some of my schools. The rest of them, luckily, have phones. Pick up the phone, you dial something, or you push it. I don't want them dialing numbers. I've had a, I'm sorry, here I am complaining, but it happens. I've had a school, you had to pick up the phone and dial like five numbers to make an announcement. Are you kidding me? You're going to forget. What What are the numbers again? You better write it down. I don't know. You push a button, one button, make the announcement. So that was the thing about the phones and the announcement. But you're going to find this stuff out. That's why you drill more often. And then I've had it where te- uh, you've got substitute teachers. They don't have the keys to lock the door or unlock the door or, or do whatever they need to do. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I try to drill as real as possible. I would be a ghost. I'd say, look, I'm going to go around the campus. I'm the ghost. You know, I'm not acting as a shooter, but I just want to observe what's going on. And, yeah. I've had schools that have run them oh, pretty darn good. I mean, really perfectly. I would go through and knock on doors, you know, you know, try to un- unlock the doors and quiet. I mean, silent, like the entire school is empty. Perfect. And I told the teacher that I said, you would think if you came in as a shooter, like there's nobody here. I mean, that's the way to run it, that there's no one there. Why would a shooter go into that room? Because I don't hear a thing. I'm not going in there. So it, it, it just worked out really good. But again, most of these teachers know, and I ask that the school system train the substitutes the same way, because you're going to run them the same way through the entire county system, train the substitutes before they even go there so they know the drill. You run the drill. Afterwards, you designate your staff with the keys. Most important, you want to unlock those doors. You do not want to make an announcement saying, hey, we're done. Okay, come on. Everybody's done. No, I don't know if the principal's being held hostage. I don't know what the hell's going on. You want them to, someone in authority, an administrator of police with a key, unlock that door. Now, when you go in, lockdown's over. However, I need you to stay quiet until I get the entire campus unlocked. Because what's happened, especially in high schools, half the campus is running around to another class. The other half is still locked down. Like, come on. Everybody's got walkie-talkies. You just talk to each other. You unlock all the doors. Then at the end, you have your after action, you get together and you talk about it. So it's really, it, yes, it does take some time, but it is something that's important to run these drills correctly and not skip a step because I do, I've had had schools skip a step. However, I have had some principals that are very proactive. I had a principal with a bullhorn. It was an elementary school, went out to the foyer area during the drill he announced, hey, it's over. Come on out. We're done. Everybody, we're all set. Okay, we're good. 90% of the teachers are like, no, it's a trick. We're not doing that. He had two substitute teachers that were like, yeah, okay, good. We're Come on, kids, let's go. It was the kids, fifth graders. No, 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 it's a trick. It's a trick. These kids aren't that naive. They know what the heck's going on. I mean, I've had plenty of fifth graders that show me where the key is to lock the doors that's hiding in the uh, fire cabinet. I had them go in and do it. I said, you guys are heroes. I said, what if your teacher passes out or something? You can't, Somebody's got to lock those doors. And these kids are great. They want to do stuff. They want to help. All little kids want to help. Little in high school, not so much. <laughs> Elementary school kids, yeah, they want to help. And it depended on the area. I've had the elite white schools up north grab ass and joking around during a drill. And I've had the SROs go in and read them their, 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 you know, their rights. And yet I have a lot, you know, I had a lower, low income schools, black Hispanics. They know what's going on because guess what? They're going to go home and more than likely on the, over the weekend, there's going to be a shooting in their neighborhood. So when they run the drill, dead silent. You don't hear a peep because they know what the, what the deal is if something happens. So, again, it all depends on, you know, um, the schools themselves, uh, the area, the diversity. And I, like I said, I was lucky that I had that kind of diversity in my system. And I, I apologize, but I'm getting close to where I have to, to go. We're almost up to an hour, both you guys, and, and I appreciate being on. But um, if I talk too much, a lot of times people just get bored and want to skip through the podcast. <laughs> we get it. I don't want to talk. I want to hear this guy for an hour and get to the good part. 
Well, Daniel, so, you know, thank you. Thank you for, for sharing your expertise, your insight and school safety. Your your dedication to this cause is truly it's it's commendable. And and you know, I guess one last thing is do you, do you have any any key takeaways for our for our listeners here? Again, the first two things I mentioned, keep yourself safe. And I don't care if it's in a school system, you go to a mall, you go to a restaurant, you go wherever. Anything that happened, as we've seen in Walmart, Target, you know, with these incidents, keep yourself safe first and you can save other people and the SROs. Very important. Uh, my book is on Amazon. First five minutes. If you type in the first five minutes, it should come up in, in one of your searches there. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, I, like I said, I'm not on here to sell the book. It's more about awareness and the message. As you can tell, I'm very passionate about this. Uh, it's something that I think is very important. And uh, I appreciate the uh, venue like this to be able to get the word out. Both you guys. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. That wraps up another insightful episode of the Prestigious Initiative. If you found today's conversation valuable, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Remember, school safety is a collective effort, and we can all play a part in making our schools safer for our students, educators, and staff. Until next time, stay informed, stay prepared, and stay safe.